Still the best opening intro in all of pre-recorded music. Uh, welcome to a, another episode of Storm King's Teddy. This is going to be episode 4.5. No game tonight, so Cat uh, and I decided we would try to get one of the other players on to interview. Cat, how you doing? Good, good as always. And we did get a volunteer from our studio audience. Um, we got uh, Winifred, our um, very uh, stoic rogue, to come on and talk to us about his character. Um, Discord name, Finger Wiggle. Uh, I'm probably just going to call you Mask because um, it might be more appropriate than Finger. <laughs> That's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> um, so... Um, so appreciate you uh, taking the time because uh, I, I know that a lot of people probably get self-conscious about talking in front of uh, other people. So um, probably not your first time podcasting. It is my first time podcasting. Actually. Oh, it is really. So well, uh, you really did just dump, jump off the deep end then. Um, well. It seemed like a safe environment to do it in. Oh yeah, uh, it's it's all supposed to be just fun and free flow. So, um, uh, so uh, Kat and I were just going to pepper you back and forth with questions and then jump in as uh, your answers warranted. Uh, is that cool? Yeah, it works with me. All right. So, Kat, you want to start? All right. Age old question that probably everyone wants to know is how long have you been playing D anD D? Oh boy. Um, if my memory serves, I've been playing since I think 2005. So 17 years now. That's a good stretch. Something um, like that. I've been playing since like grade 10. So yeah, I think that's, that's about right. 2005, I think is the, the start date for my D and D experience. And how long, how long has it been for you now, Kat? Two years plus? Two years, almost going on three, I think. Yeah. And I've been playing since age eight, so 45 years. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> but still, 17 <laughs> years is a, is, a, is a good little jag. Um, and um, so what edition was the most recent when you started playing? Uh, I started playing in 3.5, the Power Gamers D&D. Oh my gosh, I'm surprised you stuck with it. I absolutely hated uh, 3rd and 3.5. Uh, well, it's it's all we knew. I guess that's true. It's what we had the books for. Yeah, so that's fair. That's what we played. Um, and then, um, so I came in like with the, with the very basic set of rules. Keep on the Borderlands. Um, just uh, clerics didn't even get spells till second level, that kind of thing. It was it was basic, basic stuff. Um, and cat, um, you're you came in when fifth edition was in sway because it's only been a few years, but you actually started with second edition because that's what I ran. Yeah, the very first one was your second edition campaign, so I started almost OG with no knowledge. Um, but yeah, fifth edition was well established by the time we started. And I, I hadn't even given it a sniff because I hadn't liked some of the other editions, but I enjoy fifth edition. So, um, mask, how do you think fifth edition stacks up to your, uh, original experience with 3.5? Uh, well, 
think the best bit about fifth edition is that it is probably the easiest to access. I think like it's, it's easy enough to get into that kind of anybody can, can do it. It's, it made D and D really popular. Uh, yeah. Wow. I, I'll buy that because I, the way I see it is it's very, uh, I don't want to say stripped down, but I guess I will. Um, I mean, it is though, like it's, it's a much more cinematic experience than like, like 3.5 was okay. So I rolled the dice. All right. And then, and I add this number and that number and this number over here. And then I go to page four of my sheet where I add this number and this other number that I've picked up through feats. It was, it was a bloody mess. Yeah, and that's, uh, I'm not going to say second edition was a whole lot different. You had to, uh, I mean, it was still operating off the old uh, FACO to hit armor class zero. So, um, yeah. you know, it was straight math instead of uh, just a difficulty number or an armor class that you need to roll to hit. So, um, okay, so, um, Cat, question? Um, yeah, this one was my question is, did you start in person or have you always been on online and with roll 20? Oh, no, we started in person. Um, everybody heading to my place after, after school and breaking out the D and D books, everybody bringing their duffel bags of, of supplies. Um, it was a grand old time. So when did you get started with roll 20? I got started with roll 20. Probably, jeez, I don't even remember how long Roll Twenty has been around. I want to say that I started playing over Roll Twenty in twenty fifteen. That was, um, yeah, it it had probably already been around for a few years by then, right? Yeah, it was relatively new on my radar at the time. People were talking about Roll Twenty versus um, what was it? Something on Steam that everybody uh, talked tabletop? about. Tabletop? Not Tabletop Simulator. Um, no, no, I don't remember what it was. So I'm actually really new at Roll20. Um, haven't used it. Well, just, uh, I've only been, I only used it for maps in my game. And then when um, another one of our friends started a fifth edition game, got me introduced to that. Um, we used the character sheets, which was really cool. And then Teddy's game in, um, uh, kind of introduced me to the character mancer, which was really cool and really easy. Oh um, yeah. The character mancer is very handy. Yeah. So, um, but, um, do you remember when you very first started what your first character was? Uh, my very first character was a wizard and it was a terrible mistake. <laughs> oh yeah, don't like the uh, full spell ca- full spell casters. No, I love it now, but at the time, like in three point five, um, I I still kind of don't recommend full spell casters to people as their first characters in fifth oh, edition. Definitely agreed. Yeah, um, but in three point five, it felt so much more daunting to uh, choose a spell list and whatnot. Nowadays, like I don't know, I know what I like. <laughs> So it's easy to pick the spells, but yeah, back then, um, didn't matter really what you put a, what I put on my spell list. It was pretty much just magic missile all day long. Sure. 
Um, and what campaign setting do you remember? Uh, it'd be considered homebrew, okay. I guess. Um, but we were we were playing within the Faerun setting, but not any like campaign modules or anything. Well, I we just kind of made stuff up as we went along. I guess mine was Greyhawk. Um, yeah, I would say that's right. And, um, Kat, if my game was your first, it was definitely a homebrew. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if the Finger Isles was homebrew or not. Yeah, it's completely mine. Um, uh, or at least, um, I don't think I'm plagiarizing anything. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so much content out there, who knows, but, um, that's, uh, and, um, was there... So since yours was homebrew, probably no like specific modules, like uh, TSR created modules that you went through. Yeah, no, uh, we were doing everything homebrew and I, my first character didn't last very long or like the, the game didn't. Um, we, there were so many people in our friend group that wanted to play D and D at the time that we pretty quickly transitioned away from that first game and into um, one where I was DMing as a co-DM with another guy. So uh, we worked together as two people to make a game hosting. I think the number was 12 at the table. Holy cow. That's a lot. Uh, we were doing yeah, eight and it was a madhouse. Mad wow. Yeah. Um, um, it was absolutely a mess. <laughs> Party conflict was the biggest issue we had. <laughs> So you mentioned that you DM. This is going to be an off-topic question. Um, do you prefer being a player or a DM? I do generally prefer being a player. Uh, I am not afraid of DMing. And, uh, I mean, I've, I suppose as I've kind of revealed, like, I've been DMing pretty much as long as I've been playing. Um, after I got the, the basics down, I sat down with like the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Monster Manual and just memorized whole chapters of it to uh, help figure out how to build encounters and uh, design dungeons and stuff like that. Um, figure out how to distribute loot. Um, so, yeah, like I, I DM even to this day. I run a game on Mondays for uh, people at my work. You know, I uh, that's another prop that I have to give 5th edition is the challenge ratings. Where, as before... Uh, if you rolled on a table for wandering monsters and then there was a random number of them that could appear, depending on the party composition, if you rolled high on that random number, you could just slaughter them with wandering yeah. monsters. And <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's another, um, advancement that I approve of in fifth edition. So, um, but so, um, Here's here's a question that Kat and I talked about, I think, in our first podcast. Why did you decide on moving to a pay-to-play format like we're doing with Teddy's game? Well, I will admit that at least part of it is uh, being supportive of uh, my good friend, Teddy. Oh, okay. And that's another question. So we'll get back to this one. How many of the group do you know personally? Uh I have met two of them in person. The other two are just kind of part of our uh, friend group that has been assembling slowly over a long period of time. 
Okay. So, so I know, I know Teddy and I know, um, Lars. All right. Um, they are friends of mine. They were down to visit, uh, last weekend. Um, he was, that's part of why, uh, he was, or Teddy was talking about hearing me and Lars chuckling in the other room. <laughs> he was uh he was camping out in my spare room for a couple nights and um Portia and Prudence mm-hmm. I know through uh Teddy bringing me into I think I met them for the first time playing Final Fantasy 14 15 I don't know 14 that's the 14 MMO 14 is the new MMO, 11 is the old MMO, right? Yeah. Yeah, 14. <laughs> I can never remember the bloody numbers for them. So so you've gamed with everyone of them before, except Cat and I. Except you two. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. So how are we stacking up? Uh, you guys are a, a huge hit. <laughs> <laughs> you've been great. Um, I was really worried about running Mask in this game. It's I tend to shy away from characters that broadcast troublemaker, I guess. Um, and was, was wary about doing it with strangers. And then you guys have been fantastic. So, Oh, well, thanks. Um, so, I mean, uh, we, uh, like I said, I've played for years and, um, it's after after you play long enough you just figure out everybody's there to have fun so yeah uh, that's the um okay so uh going back so you said part of it is just to support uh teddy and his yeah uh, yeah okay uh so part of it was to support teddy um and then i mean i i believe like so my partner is a, a ceramic artist and whatnot um i for one am no good at art for the most part. Everybody assures me that it it's just practice, and uh, I don't know. I just don't seem to. I've never really been able to connect the dots between what's in my head and my hands. <laughs> well, I can put them into words, pretty okay. So DMing isn't too bad, and things like that. Storytelling is fine, but um, I can't. I can't like draw. I can't paint i can't create with my hands very well um yeah i'm with you so um i built a birdhouse and shop and it was condemned by the fair housing committee so it's that's <laughs> yeah. just the way it works yeah uh, um so i i don't know i have a deep respect for people in their their art and dming i i consider to be A pretty good expression of uh, of art. Sure, I mean storytelling is right. So yeah, um, exactly. Um, so I believe artists should be paid. That's where I'm at, I guess. Yeah, and but, you know, so. uh, on that topic, um, I'm uh, ages ago. Uh, you know, computers were first coming out when I was uh, in high school, and there was all kinds of pirating going on, including by me. And then one day, I it just hit me that, you know, I make filters for a living and other people build cars or do whatever for a living. And these people, their living is writing this software. So, um, what I started doing is I would trial it for free 
um, because I really do think trials ought to be free so that yeah. you can decide what needs to be done. But if I decided I was going to use it beyond just the initial couple of weeks, um, I, I did pay for a, a licensed copy. Yeah. Because I agree, uh, you know, um, that's, uh, that's their art. That's what they do for a living. They should be paid for it. Um, and I know, uh, pirating is also rampant in the anime community. People think that if it's online, it's just, True. it's theirs. So, uh, I don't buy into that, but you know, everybody to their own, everybody to their own, uh, they get to look in their own mirror. So, um, so, uh, cap, you got another question? Yeah. The how's, how's the experience so far with the group and with, um, wind and I, especially, I know you, you briefly touched on that, but since you guys all know each other, how are, how are we fitting in and how, how is the, how are you getting along with the campaign? Uh, well, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, like I said, I think you guys are fitting in just great. Um, you've been very accepting. Um, I mean, I know like cat, you're fairly new to fifth edition and you're both a bit new to like roll 20 and stuff far as, uh, I remember, but, um, it's, mm -hmm. it's all going pretty smoothly. Um, picking things up quickly. Uh, it's all working out. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What about the I feel like our group has a pretty good chemistry, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. I like I like uh, what everybody brings to it. Um, I feel like um you and Prue really ground the team. Yes. That, uh, um, your characters are both very, uh, Winifred more than Prue stoic, but Prue is more, um, sit back and, um, figure out why everybody else belongs in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do appreciate that about Prue, especially playing a, uh, definite criminal. Uh, alleged, alleged, <laughs> ex criminal. <laughs> um, Things been proven. <laughs> so, so what about the uh, adventure so far? Have you ever done Storm King's Thunder before? No, um, I haven't done too many. Uh, like, so Teddy has introduced us a few times to a few different modules. Um, I don't generally like them. Um, Storm King's Thunder has been an exception, and I've talked with Teddy about that. It's partially because he is he is doing some shuffling <laughs> and some extra like behind the scenes um I guess weaving of the story to make things make more sense early. Um Wizards of the Coast modules I find uh, while they're they're a good starting point for um, especially new DMs, they do leave a lot at the wayside, like their own suggestions for encounter building, for example. Um, they really like to be like, so an adventuring day is, should be like three to five encounters, and uh, be careful about how you balance those encounters with your day's worth of adventuring 
worth of XP you're allowed to buy your encounters with. Because if you make too many of them too hard, you'll just kill everybody. Meanwhile, they're like, okay, so the first encounter of the day, it's uh, deadly in the extreme. <laughs> um, and then right after that, they don't get any breaks. Um, there's there's another deadly encounter waiting for them right around the corner. And then after that, uh, there's a trap that just kills them with their max HP. So, have so you're fun talking Tomb of Horrors, right? Like, it, <laughs> No, th- this is every Bloody Wizards <laughs> campaign I've done so far. They're just, I don't know, I don't know what they're doing half the time. I'll even, I'll even it's say this. Just wild. I, I can't, I have trouble sitting down and reading prepackaged, pre-canned adventures because they're very, very dry um, everything They're is also pretty disconnected. Yes. Uh, I will say that, um, when we ran Ravenloft in second edition, that was a welcome, um, change to that. There was, there was very much some decent narration. Uh, there was a little bit of randomization that could happen so that if you were playing the module for the second time, um, it wasn't necessarily the same. Um, there were a lot of good things there. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree for the most part. Um, they're good places to start good reference material, but, uh, maybe not the best, um, to follow lockstep. Yeah. They just, they, they require DM to be willing to take creative license with things because some of it just like, There'll be things where it'll be like, well, this character um, that is hiding in the back room of this establishment that the PCs are likely to visit, uh, he knows something about what they're looking for, um, but there's literally no reason why they should ever want to talk to him or anything that hints that he even exists. So have a nice day. (laughs) You're like, well, why? Why do that? So, um, in so far in Storm King's Thunder, the thing that I have absolutely loved the most is any time that we are even thinking about combat, we've got a map to run off of. Oh yeah, which um, is that is the best bit, yeah, for sure. Because um, I I love theater of the mind stuff, and I don't mind doing that. Like you know, if we're in town shopping or you know whatever, <laughs> but. When we're in combat, I want to see my my character in relation to the other characters on the board, and because yeah. I will lose track of stuff. Um, Only flaw with roll twenty is its inability to deal with uh, up and down. Oh yeah, um, height. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about your character uh, sure. in in this campaign. Um, first thing I want to ask is why did you decide to name your character Winifred or mask or, um, we don't, we don't even really know your character's real name, but, uh, all of our characters know your character as Winifred. Yeah. Where did that come from? Uh, well, so one of the things that I decided on for my background um, as a changeling um, is that my character has taken on the personality of somebody who gave their life saving them at some point in their life. 
Um, the character in question in this case being Winifred. So, um, so your, so your character knew someone named Winifred that looks like you look now mm-hmm. that saved your life. Yep. For all intents and purposes, um, my character is Winifred as far as like they're concerned when, when they're doing this character, right? It's, uh, it's their way of honoring their memory. That's a pretty cool hook. Uh, um, so that's unique. Yeah. As for why Winifred and whatnot, um, I'm a big fan of Terry Pratchett and his Discworld writings. Okay. You um, know what? I've never read Discworld, but I'm certainly very aware of the series. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, and in, in those series, there is a gentleman's gentleman, um, a, a butler, uh, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Willikins, there we go. Willikins. Uh, who is the butler of the head of the city watch for the the biggest and most important city on, on the disc. Um, and he is a, an ex-con, um, but... In all fairness, as far as the city of Ankh-Morpork goes, uh, pretty much everybody is a a con at some point in their lives. Um, street life is very rough, and that character and the so Willikins and the the main character of uh, the books that he is in, known as Sam Vimes, were in rival street gangs in their youth. Um, and of course, Willikins presumably has, uh, discarded his old name and taken on one that is more acceptable amongst the gentry, um, to become a butler, goes to school and everything to learn how to uh, be a serving person. And there we are. That's pretty cool. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that character and I decided to take bits and pieces of it and uh, use it as inspiration for the uh, person that is Winifred in this world or person that used to be Winifred as the case may be. So Kat, you, your character's name's Tabanay. Where did you take that inspiration? We haven't talked about this. So Tabanay is a reference to an anime that I really enjoyed called Infinite Stratos. Um, she was like a very outgoing, energetic person. Um, she was just kind of like goofy and wacky. And since I chose a paladin, my spell casting is my charisma. So I felt like that kind of fit together. And then as a person, me, I am not good at talking with people or expressing my emotions or whatever. So I thought it would be a great challenge for me to be high in charisma and become the face of the party, which I recently have now become. So I made it a challenge for myself to, you know, like push myself, get out of my comfort bubble, become a person that I'm not. And by doing so, I can really immerse myself into the world. And are you having fun doing that? No. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, it's, no I'm I mean, not. It sucks. There's many times when Teddy is just talking and no one's talking, and I'm like, I'm sitting here going in my head, I'm like, I should speak up. I should say something. Or there's other NPCs that are just like, like I mentioned before, the Captain Morgan, when she was trying to she had a list of us and she's like, is there a, and she paused and I was, I was just in my head. I'm like, please don't say Tavane. Please don't say Tavane. Please don't say Tavane. And of course she said Tavane. So I'm like, yep, I had to speak up and RP and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's a struggle, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, you've come miles since you first started D and D. So uh, I think that you're definitely, uh, on the, on the course to a loose tongue. So, yeah, it, well, certainly in the beginning, I'm gonna let my roles do a lot of the talking. That, that was um, that was pretty funny. Are you having fun? No. <laughs> I mean, I am having fun, but it's just, man, I'm not good at talking or speaking up. So, uh, Keelan, uh, do either of you know the artist Larry Elmore? I do not. No. Okay, so Larry Elmore is a fantasy artist. Um, he did like the covers for the Dragonlance series. Um, oh, he did, I know his work. Okay. So he is, um, he's very prolific in this. He's done a ton of D and D art and I've met the man like three times. Uh, I used to go to Gen Con every year and he would set up a booth and sell art there. And, um, he would create these originals and then make, um, I guess the term is Z-Clay, which is a um, exact reproduction, but it's done by uh, scanning and, and mechanical reproduction of the original onto canvas. And it's a limited number of them. Uh, usually it's anywhere from uh, 100 to 500 uh, reproductions. And he had a really beautiful uh, piece there called Keelan's Journey. And it was a woman all in like white armor with a sword out standing in kind of a stream with a white dragon behind her with a saddle. And she's got long, dark black hair. Um, and, um, I'm like, this is a really nice piece. Um, I would like to get one of the Z clays. Can, um, can I get number one? And he said, number one always goes to a family member, but he, gave me number two and signed it for me and, or didn't give it to me. I bought it, but you know, it's uh anyway, that's where I came up with the name Keelan. It wasn't really mine. It, it was uh, the title of one of his paintings. Um, I'll get a, I'll get a snapshot of it and uh, post it on discord. So you guys can see what I'm talking about. But um, anyway, that's where, that's where mine came from. Um, all right, cat, you're up. So, You've already kind of um, answered this next one about like your background and the, your personality type of taking over Winifred and honoring his memory. So we'll skip over to their uh, changeling and what the, um, what they are, your class, the description. You know, tell us about changelings because I know nothing about a changeling. Yeah, same. Um, and I, um, a lot of it is. I have the resources I could go look, but I find that I get a lot of enjoyment out of finding out things in game. So if there's like little surprises that, um, 
you don't think that, or that you think might spoil it for me, um, you, you know, you can omit that or tell me it doesn't matter either way. I mean, eventually I'll find out, but, um, the, <laughs> yeah, you're likely to find out pretty soon. Okay. So, um, yeah. So talk about, uh, being a changeling and, um, what, so obviously you can, your, your gender's small, you know, you can be male, female, whatever, right? Yep. You can kind of turn into anything of equal mass or does that even matter? Uh, that doesn't even really matter. It has to, I mean, it does to an extent. Uh, I can turn into individual, like, uh, pretty much an exact replica of people that are, I think it's medium and small. I don't think I am allowed to do. Yeah, it's medium and small. Um, so you won't get away so, with becoming a giant. Yeah, I can't become a giant. I can't uh, be an ogre. I can't fake anything like that. But uh, anything medium or small sized, I can, or humanoids, medium and small sized, I can so, I can imitate. So you could essentially become a mirror image of Keelan. Yeah. Including yep. equipment or just appearance? Uh, it, okay. There's a second piece that helps me mimic the equipment, <laughs> but <laughs> no. Um, so as far as like the, the racial ability is concerned, um, I can duplicate the exact, like the appearance of, uh, any individual I've ever, uh, I've seen. Um, that's pretty neat. I have, yeah, I have. So I have to have seen them or have like a picture or something to work off of. I, I need reference material is what I need to, to make myself look like somebody. My clothing and equipment aren't changed by this trait, but um, the background that I took, uh, so I'm a, the background I took is a changeling traveler. Um, so changelings, changelings and Eberron are a mostly nomadic people. Um, this is largely due to the fact that they are pretty much universally disliked and untrusted. I guess I can see that. I mean, when you can be anybody, um, um there's, there's all kinds of, uh, uh, like, I don't know. There, there's creation stories and stuff about it that the changelings have. Um, but the, the like too long, don't read version would be, um, people don't trust them because they can look like anybody. So they are looked on, universally as uh thieves and con artists for the most part um and to be fair uh like that they are seen as evil individuals that take advantage of others um but changelings like any of the other uh races in Eberron come in all all types okay. um so changeling travelers have a tendency to just move from place to place and just kind of fit in as they can and move on. So there's no alignment requirement for, no, there's no alignment requirement for changelings. Um, mine is pretty neutral as, uh, changeling travelers tend to be for the most part, like they, they gravitate towards neutrality. Um, not for any, grand reason just that they don't 
really have a preference for any particular lifestyle or anything like that. So they they just go with the flow. That's that's what the background is mostly about there. Um, there are communities, full communities of changelings in Eberron um, that you can encounter, and it is ex- would be extremely difficult to pick out that they are in fact changelings because they're they're never in their uh, their true forms for the most part. So, what kind of racial bonuses do you get? Uh, about so, these? the main one that I get is the ability shape changer, which is what allows me to mimic appearances. Um, I also get uh, proficiency with two of deception, in, uh, intimidation, insight, performance, and persuasion. Um, so skills to help me fake it till I make it, <laughs> I guess. All right, so let me ask you this. So right now, Winifred is in the guise of a human. Uh-huh. Okay. Is that why you don't have dark vision? Like, if you imitate an nope. a elf, do you get dark vision? Nope. Okay. I do not gain the racial benefits of any of the people that I mimic. So, uh, again, using Eberron is a fun little thing. So there's um, a race of peoples in Eberron known as the Warforged. They are automatons that have become sentient. Uh, they are made of wood and metal and stone. And I can look like one. For all intents and purposes, I can be a Warforged. It does not make it so I do not need to breathe. It does not make it so I do not need to eat or drink. It does not even make it so that I am uh, like tough like they are. I am still squishy old me. I just appear, for all intents and purposes, okay. to be a Warforged. So um, right. that, was, that was a... Um... That was a topic of uh, much amusement between Kat and I, that <laughs> the rogue in the party that could most benefit from dark vision is the only character in the party that didn't have it. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, okay, so then um, shifting from um, Winifred as a uh, soul entity within the party. Uh, so first let's talk about um, one of, one of the first things that Kat and I went over and continue to revise is how strong as a, how strong do you think our party is with the current composition? We've got Ranger artificer, which again, I know almost nothing about rogue bard paladin and a life domain cleric. So, how how strong do you think this makes us as a party, like on a ten scale? Um. Okay, that's that's a tricky thing to <laughs> just kind of nail down, but the changes they've made to Ranger, um, Rogue is an extremely powerful class. This is my first one in fifth edition. Yeah, uh, Bard sneak is just... also really good. I've had a sampling of what Lars is going to be like, and it's it's something. We'll put it that way. Um, I mean, Paladin's a fantastic frontliner, and we have a great cleric. Um, Artificer is a bit of a wild card. We, uh, I'm gonna have to like we're gonna have to kind of wait and see what Portia becomes. But Artificer is a fantastic support class. 
And that's that's about the only thing that stays the same about it in any of its subclasses is that it is like so I now have dark vision. Right, because of Portia. Through the artificer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they made goggles of the night. And they can just kind of do that with enough downtime and stuff. Like they can make some simple magic items and things like that. So Did you catch the last podcast? No, I haven't okay. caught one in a little bit. So I've been very busy recently. <laughs> when uh when Kat and I were talking about it, well we my we, we were talking about it being cool that now you had dark vision as well. But yeah. then I said, you know what would have been funny to find out with uh with your character's very stoic demeanor was if Portia had made the glasses look like what I refer to as birth control glasses. Like the, uh-huh. the Revenge of the Nerds guys would wear. <laughs> If if yeah. Winifred would actually have used them, <laughs> appearance is very important. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what I what I thought would have been even even cooler though to go to very compliment your character would have been if she made it like a monocle for you. That would have been cool. <laughs> a monocle. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, we didn't now that. that's a little too fancy. Oh, okay, there. <laughs> that's that's we're moving into actually being nobility territory with the monocle. I don't know if uh if a mere butler is permitted such fancy eyewear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um So okay. uh, so uh rough estimation on a 10 scale, what do you think? Um, Honestly, depending on circumstances, I'd put us anywhere between a seven and a ten. Okay. Um, definitely no lower than a seven. Um, when when some of these characters start coming into their own in, like I don't know, I'd say starting like right around level five, we're gonna hit a a bit of an explosion of power. <laughs> I oh, think. Yeah, yeah I, I finally I got Divine Smite. Yeah, I mean yeah. we're we're already sitting on an explosion of power compared to level one is the worst in fifth edition. Oh man, yeah, and so, um, yeah, we'll we'll come back to that, but yeah, I agree. It was it was a little brutal, um, but I think we're we're gonna be really powerful when uh, when these characters start doing their thing, so to speak. And I started off kind of at a seven. Um, and mm-hmm. moved up to an eight. I think cat started at an eight and stayed there. Um, but, uh, I, my concern was that we didn't have a dedicated mage to lob fireballs and, you know, the artillery platform type spells. Oh yeah. But uh, at the same, I understand that, <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, um, you know, after we got into a couple of combats and I saw what you were doing with sneak attack and, um, you know, all the, all the rest that was going on, I'm like, you know what? It's, uh, it's a little better than I thought it was. We haven't hit any huge magic using, uh, foes yet. So it might, it may end up being what I thought it was, but, uh, yeah, we've got a couple of weak points for sure. Um, but I don't know. I think we're swinging pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, what I find funny is in our other, in Windedine's other campaign, I play as a rogue as well. 
and I feel like I'm doing next to nothing for well like I hit hard with damage but I feel like watching you as a rogue like you do it so much better than I could ever be it's I think that's probably mostly just practice like I've I've DM'd enough 5th edition and played it enough with the rogue slot being taken by somebody fairly early in the in like the party building process um that yeah i i feel like i know where i need to be as as a rogue and i think that's that's part of it too and i'm not positioning is everything yes and i'm not and i'm not trying to uh be down on the other game that we play because i enjoy it a lot but it is way more theater than mine. Sometimes we have combat encounters where it's not mapped, and we're we're kind of guessing. It's very difficult to uh, make that stuff feel, favors ranged characters a lot. Yeah, and to position yourself properly and that kind of thing. So, um, all right, Cat, you're up. All right, so moving on. Uh, what what do you think your role is best suited for our party? Like, for example, y'all nominated me as a leader. Like, where do you see yourself in the party? Uh, that's a that's a tricky one. I mean, rogue, very good skill monkey. Um, mm-hmm. I have access to a lot of stuff. Uh, I may not be the best at some things. I'm definitely better at a few things than uh, some of the people in the the party. But it's only going to be a couple of things um, that's going to stay that way. So my... uh, The thing that I'm best at in the party is probably just providing assistance for pretty much every skill check anybody wants to make. (laughs) Um, And the subclass that I'm aiming for is going to further reinforce that. So... Oh, there, there's no spoilers. I'm not. Okay. I'm not going to say. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested on what subclass of rogue you're going to choose. I, I think my role in the party that I'm going to fit the best into is is uh, that of, um, well, lending a helping hand where it's needed, if that makes sense. And, um, and insurgents, if we ever need it. Yeah. Because, I mean, you blend in, right? Yeah. I, uh, yeah, there is that. I am the ultimate infiltrator. <laughs> um, and I've kind of built my character around that. Um, I was very careful in, uh, the construction of this character to not, uh, I didn't want to. Uh, step on anybody's toes. I didn't want to like cramp anybody's style. I didn't want to show anybody up in any particular category. So the main things that that Mask here wants to do is uh, kind of fade into the background. I want the effects of my character to be felt without my character being in the spotlight, if that makes sense. Um, which is part of the reason why uh, Winifred made it official to make Tabanay the leader, because that mm-hmm. way I can blend into the background like a Taoist sage and uh, help run the party from the background. Yep, that makes sense. Um, 
something so, of a manipulator, but not. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I usually, when I first step into a new group, um, cleric is almost always a go-to for me, even though I probably prefer uh, spell slinging on the mage side. Um, but they're they're very versatile, so they can fill a lot of different roles, and um, usually they're great support characters. So um, that's that's kind of what I was going for as well, because I didn't know what anybody else was going to play. And yeah, I, um, so um, you know, with the armor, I can kind of front line a little. That'll go away as we get higher in level, but that's you know early on, and then by the time that that goes away, I hopefully will have some decent spells, but, um, so yeah, I, I can kind of see where you were coming from with the, with the idea to, uh, kind of, um, be more background and not yeah. stepping on toes or, yeah. Um, although, you know what? I don't think that's been a problem. Um, yeah. For, I mean, for all the that, games that we've been playing. So that's definitely the case. Um, I, as, as mask has become more familiar with the, the party and whatnot, uh, I'm going to be taking, like, I'm, I'm going to be taking more active role in the, uh, like the party's communication and whatnot, uh, which is part of what I'm, I was meaning about the, uh, like fading into the background and, and being something of a, a manipulator, but not, uh, not with the negative connotation that that implies. Um, I'm going to do my best to assist Tabane without <laughs> without shifting the focus onto myself. If that makes yeah. sense. We're all going to be learning a little something here. <laughs> um, We're going to learn that uh, Mask is pulling the strings and Tabane is just a figurehead. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what helps Tabernay open up, then so be it. Um but yeah, like I kinda like you and uh I tend to prefer roles like that of uh like a full spellcaster, like a, a wizard. Um that is my go to class in uh fifth edition for sure. Um though I've been playing a lot of fighters recently because there's been some definite holes in party compositions that I have felt the desperate need to fill. Yeah. Um so my characters have a tendency to be a, a lot more straightforward than Mask is, and that's uh similar to um Tabane here. I'm I'm stepping out of my comfort zone with this character, and uh we're gonna just kind of see where it takes us. Well, as a fellow rogue from in another life, they are super fun. So I hope you enjoy it. Since this I am is already having one. a blast, cunning action is so good. Oh yeah. Uh, so, what do you think your best contribution to the party has been thus far, up to this point? I don't know, honestly. Okay. I mean, I provide us with a, like with access to the uh, skill set one would usually attribute to rogues. 
so I think like the greatest contribution that I've done outside of getting pretty lucky with some of the sneak attack rolls would be uh, lock picking that door. Yeah, you're not going to get any argument from me I'm on that one. Even <laughs> if I'm the only one that needed it lockpicked to get through it. So <laughs> um, I think that's it. Yeah, when I, that's the one. When you opened up that door, I, I knew I had at least a fighting chance at, the, at that point. So, um, yeah. I think your greatest contribution is, as I mentioned before, like, I think you're kind of like the glue that holds us together. Like, especially in like a combat role, you can be melee if you want to. You can also flop over to range if you need to be. Um, and in the RPs and the skill sets are only just going to get better and better. So, all right, that's what, just my opinion. What's your next one, Cat? Um, this one I really am interested in is uh, um, what party members do you get along with, and which ones do you not get along with? Um, that's. That's a zinger of a question. I think at the moment, Winifred gets along best with probably Keelan and Tabanay. Kind of still, that's something that we that got touched on back on the the boat on our like session zero. Yeah, that was more first impressions though. Yeah, Um, but. I think at this point I would maybe add Portia to the list and then just because Prudence is so wary of Winifred and uh and Lars is a unique individual <laughs> um I think I think Winifred doesn't get along so well with them uh I mean like he's rec- He's trying to be diplomatic with them. We'll put it that way. <laughs> but um, I think Winifred has gotten pretty comfortable with Keelan and Portia more and more and Tabanay. Uh I think Tabanay just seems a bit kind of easy to exist around right now. Okay. Well... Uh-huh. I know for me, um, when we did our first impressions, it, it kind of, I said, like, I didn't get along with Lars at first and I didn't portray that correctly. <laughs> um, it's mainly because of her backstory was her village was raided by goblinoids. So, and since Lars is a hobgoblin, she's kind of wary of hobgoblins. Like she doesn't hold any ill will against them, but she doesn't like them per se. So I'm going to say that's still You're the case cautious. for me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she she's just weary of of him so that's what i'm gonna say for me and getting along with i'm gonna say portia probably the most because she's very very outgoing and talkative um but you know the one she you know she doesn't it's not like she doesn't get along with the others but she just doesn't have that much interaction with the others yeah, I think I think like last game where um I mean we spent a good portion of it kind of just waiting, but uh 
<laughs> drinking Tabernay um, <laughs> made Winifred a lot more comfortable with uh, with Tabernay's whole. Yeah, mess, and it, I guess we had we had discussed that um, in a couple of podcasts ago. We were talking about we need to kind of stick to get or at least stick close enough to one another in dungeons to where we can offer assistance because we're getting mm-hmm. spread too far apart. Said the same thing about the shopping. We should have stayed together so that everybody could have gotten stuff done at once. And um, it was uh, our fault for uh, taking off and leaving a couple of you behind. But no, it's okay. It happens. You can't avoid the party splitting up once in a while. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's just that, I mean, if everybody had stuff to get, it would have been, it would have made things go a little quicker. Uh, we were, we I didn't were, even realize there were some things I should have gotten until people were talking about studded leather. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. I can wear that. <laughs> I, have, I have a whole list um, yeah. that uh, actually Teddy's working on right now. But, um, and we, I was, I was making fun too. We spent four hours. All we had to do was come up with a group name and do some shopping, and we did not get it done. <laughs> yeah, we tried. <laughs> it was pretty good. There were some fun moments. <laughs> yeah, there was. Um, so, um, um, but to answer that question from another direction, uh, so the characters that Mask is the most comfortable with. It's by far um, Keelan and Portia. Uh, I mean, probably Prudence to some extent as well. Um, The reason for Prudence and Portia largely comes from the fact that they're also playing races that have a tendency to be uh, distrusted and the like. Um, Prudence being Kyberkin and... uh, Portia being drow, drow, um, both kind of marginalized uh, races, usually in in uh, uh, well, Ebron in in particular. Um, So there's that, and then Keelan's kindness towards the uh, the half giant uh, rickshaw puller. Oh, Bubbas, yeah, Bubbas, yeah, Um, as is a say accelerated masks uh, becoming comfortable with uh, the group, but I mean nobody has shown any particular. Uh, as I mean, we've discussed that a little bit in uh, the other character chat there, but uh, like nobody's, none of the characters has been particularly. Uh, distrusting or, or um, like hostile of each other. So really, it's just a comfortable group, I suppose. Yeah, as far as Mask is concerned. So I think I think Keelan's on the same page. Um, so Prue seems very um, with not not I don't know, withdrawn maybe or distances mm-hmm. herself, but she's um, she's on the lookout for like lawbreakers and that, and which certainly yeah. al- aligns with my alignment. Um, so uh, I appreciate that. Um, Portia just seems like a, a very free spirit and will say it, the first thing that comes out of her mouth, but it's almost always positive. 
So she likes that. Um, yeah. She likes um, both you and Tabane and uh, thinks <laughs> Lars is a endless source of entertainment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh. <laughs> um, so yeah, she likes the entire group too. Um, and that seems fairly rare for uh, my prior D and D experiences as well. There's almost always one character at least oh, that, yeah. <laughs> that just tries to th- just for the sake of s- seeing what happens, throwing the monkey wrench into the gears to see where it lands. Yeah. So, um, okay. So, uh, we talked about level one, uh, kind of being rough going. Was there any point that you thought that either Winifred or another party member was going to die? Uh, I thought Lars was dead when the tentacle grabbed him. Yep. I'm with you. Um, I saw the damage that it rolled. Um, I, had, I talked with Teddy about that encounter a bit later on, and uh, like I, I saw its damage dice and was like, "Oh man, it's average. Just it just kills people, and if if it rolls like max damage, that's instant death. <laughs> that's really scary." Yeah, but um, uh, the tentacle not wanting to hit people, like it, its goal is to drag them away made it uh a bit less scary that said i did still think lars was going to die and if it had gotten him dragged into that middle area where it disappeared into the depths uh lars would have been dead (laughs) yeah i think so too and i think and and, um i i said this in in a prior episode but i actually think that teddy threw us a bone because I don't think that uh, by um, by Hoyle that Tabane would have been able to double her movement rate and still grab him. Yeah. But he allowed uh, it. Yeah. I, Teddy I, is very willing to... Uh, uh, I mean, as he discussed it in the uh, session zero. Like, he... he does a lot of following of the rule of cool. Yep. And that one, that was a good moment. That was a good moment. <laughs> and he, he was not expecting the tentacle to be overpowered by Tabane in that moment. That was, hey, that man, was heroic. Was I? That, that was yeah. just heroic. I mean, there's, that was a huge, huge win for Tabane. Yes. That tentacle was rolling with similar numbers. I think it had like, one or two higher bonus on the roll and yes. you beat it by two. <laughs> so it was a real close one. <laughs> and those yeah, are the I, moments that I live for. I for one thought I was going to rip Lars in half fighting the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought Lars was dead then. And um, until people started coming through the doorway, I thought Keelan could very well have been dead. And again, when I almost got hit by the, um, oh, the thing that dropped out of the ceiling, what are they called? The dark, which mantles. Oh, the dark dark mantle. Yeah. Yeah. So if I would have been hit by that dark mantle, it almost would have killed me. But then in the fight, when we were fighting steel Jack, if I had taken that damage, it would have killed me. Yeah. So, 
but you'd have just been down, not out. It's fine. Yeah, we were all fine. Yeah, it so. was a real close call. That that whole dungeon was a wild ride, and I've talked to Teddy about it. That was one of the best dungeons I have ever been through. It was a lot of fun, especially as a starter dungeon. It was. It had yeah. everything. Yep, puzzles to solve great. and traps, and yep. Yeah, as I've kept saying, it was combat puzzle, combat puzzle, combat puzzle, and then it was just combat <laughs> the puzzle. combat puzzle was yeah. Good. It that certainly was a, a great dungeon, and you know it took us like what three sessions to get through it, and every time I'm like, okay, the next session is going to be the end, and it wasn't. And <laughs> yeah, it was just yeah. it just kept going, and I'm like, what more can you add on to this? And it's just like, wow. <laughs> It was a good time. Um, yeah, I think that was really it. Winifred had a bit of a close call that turned out to be not near that bad in the combat puzzle room. Um, with the, with uh, the giant feet. Yeah, the stompy foot. Us. Yeah. Um, but I think their numbers were starting to thin enough that we were s- stabilizing. All right, cat. Um, so moving on from combat, we'll take uh, the other side of the coin and RP. What do you think is your best RP moment, or the best RP of others? Hmm. Oh man, that's a really hard one. I know what I think it is. I mean, go ahead. So, um, my, it's almost a tie, but when you just strolled through the living vines that were trying to get you, (laughs) that was beautiful. And also when, uh, everybody else is dodging around and trying to get away from that foot and you made your role, but like just barely. And so, Teddy, as always said, so describe what you do. And you're just like, okay, I just step slowly to the side and it missed you I by inches. It. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's just like Winifred's <laughs> so low key. That's great stuff. So it's, it's a toss up for me. One of those two though. Part of that comes from like my favorite moments in, in like anime fights and whatnot. Um, it, it happens so often in like, uh, like Dragon Ball animes and whatnot where characters are barely dodging hits on purpose and stuff like that and that's that's how i see lars there's there's or not lars sorry uh winifred here um especially since he's also the oldest member of the party um winifred mind not not mask uh so i've tried to encompass a uh, more stately there's a an economy of movement there you we'll go. call it for Winifred <laughs> so so what do you say Kat are you are you on board with my choices for his best RP oh, abs- oh absolutely um, a lot of the things you do like all of us are like especially the vine encounter for example like I just sprinted through it others did backflips or Portia was like eek and just swatted away at it and you're just like I don't give a fuck and you just walked straight <laughs> through it. 
Yeah, I, those moments are just great to me. Yeah, pretty priceless. Um, oh, man, what was... There was an RP moment that got me laughing pretty hard. And I don't remember which one it was specifically. Lars has had some funny moments. Lars is a source of endless amusement. He cracks me up. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the day you manage to get Lars on here to talk about things like yeah, this. I, I hope other people hear yours and uh, and uh, decide to come on and talk about their characters too. Um, so um, one thing that I really have been enjoying about this game is the depth of the world. So normally if I create a town for one of my homebrew things, I have the main characters that you're supposed to be able to meet and some characters that I think you're likely to meet already have names for them and that sort of thing. It seems like every detail of uh, Stormreach is pre-planned and pre every, everything's just done. And, you know, what shops are next to what shops and who owns them and uh, their kids' names. And um, and Teddy just ha- has all this stuff available. I don't know if he's just got a random list of names that he picks out of, but it's almost instant that he comes up with this stuff. And um, so I've, I've actually met NPCs in the world that I am, I like, like Bubba's. So uh, Keelan immediately latched onto that. Um, have you seen any NPCs in this game yet that you thought were noteworthy that you liked, uh, the way they were presented? Uh, I think my favorite NPCs so far, Hmm, I don't know. Um, Yorick is a bit of a blast. Oh yeah. The, the dwarf, right? Yeah. The dwarven storm Lord. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Bubba's is pretty good. Uh, what were some other good ones? I mean, I, I appreciate Steeljack. Uh, I play a Warforged in another Eberron game ran by, uh, Teddy there. Steeljack is pretty good. Uh, oh, what was his name? Borko? Yeah. Um, goblin. Oh, Gorko. <laughs> yeah. Dorko. Winifred does not like Gorko. Um, I like Gorko. Gorko. <laughs> um, I think Gorko is great. And I think he's going to harass us quite a bit for work, especially. I could buy that. Uh, all right, Kat. Um, as speaking as Tabane, I don't know if there's any NPCs that have stuck out so thus far. Um, she doesn't really interact in as much as I should make her interact with people. Um, but as a player, I really enjoyed the Palo Amarin, the Stormlord. The is that the one that came and sat with us while we were in the bath? No, that was Varen Lassite. Oh Varen. no, that was the one that was harassing the the guards outside the sinkhole. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. She was the one outside the sinkhole. I 
I don't know why, but just the way Teddy like voiced her and the way she was acting, I'm just like, I like this character. I like this character a lot. Um, <laughs> Tabane should ask her out. <laughs> it's working for <laughs> Lars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think she's uh, Tabane's in a position, high enough position of power for her to be even noticed by her. Um. Okay. So, um, you've DM'd a lot, and um, yeah. also you say you prefer to play, and I'm sure you've had DMs other than Teddy. So, what do you appreciate about Teddy's style over other people's, and what do you prefer about other people's over Teddy's? Well, you kind of touched on it a little bit when we were talking about uh, the NPCs there, uh, with how difficult it is to find somebody that's not fleshed out. Uh, like I, I know Teddy, and I know some of it is smoke and mirrors there. Um, sure, and, and that makes sense. I mean, it's difficult to plan out an entire, you know, thousands and thousands of people population. So, but thing I like about Teddy's style the most, it's I. I have it in uh, my review of him on Start Playing Games. You'll be hard-pressed to find an NPC that that's a cardboard cutout. And if you do find one, uh, you can expect that within minutes of you testing that it's a cardboard cutout, it will be a fully realized character in the world. That's pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is magical how quickly he uh, he comes up with the backstories and stuff, and uh, like weaves characters that aren't really there in like the the module side of things into the stories and whatnot. And and I think that. I think it would have been that way just with, like I said, so Bubba's has been my, one of my favorite NPCs. I think that if I would have just ignored him and walked or paid him and taken a ride and forgotten about it, he would have just faded back into the background. But, yeah, but, but because I interacted, all of a sudden he became more important. It's um, And yeah, by your powers, you've created... <laughs> Bubba's the fully realized giant yes. or half giant pardon. <laughs> um, all right, cat you're up. All right. So our adventure ended last time with us going to Portia's shop and Teddy has hinted that it's going to be a dungeon. So what do you expect out of this next dungeon of ours? I expect Hmm. Well, so Porsche's a artificer. Um, I think what I am expecting is uh, animated items. Ah. I'm expecting like um, I guess something of a uh, like Jack in the Box, House of Horrors kind of thing going on. Interesting. That actually falls in line with what I was thinking, but I hadn't put that fine of a tip on it. So I believe the first time he mentioned this, one of the NPCs uh, mentioned this to us, was that the, they thought the place was haunted. So if there's a haunt there, 
it could be animating those things, just like you said. And, uh, yeah, that would be pretty cool, and it makes sense. Yeah, I'm expecting us to get chased around by, like, you know, wind-up teeth and stuff like that. I don't know. The monkeys with the symbols. (laughs) We'll see when we get there, I guess. Oh, man. Um, Kat, did you have any any guesses of your own? I got nothing, man. But what I what I <laughs> might expect is just going to be like next to nothing compared to what Teddy has in store for us. Like for all intents and purposes, I'm just going to expect like maybe more spiders, maybe more rats. I don't know. Maybe there's kobolds down there. Yeah. Who knows? I really don't. But I do yeah. like the idea of the of the haunted horror house. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, it really could be anything. Oh, I thought of the DRP moment for somebody else. Okay. Um, uh, my favorite RP moment so far has been uh, uh, an interaction between Prudence and Portia, mostly, um, about the shady dealings that may or may not uh. be occurring at Porsche's shop with or without Porsche's knowledge <laughs> where, where, and it, it stemmed over her paying protection money, right? Uh, it, the idea that she's paying protection money. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and, um, the, Hey, the, my, I think my favorite bit was specifically when Prudence turned to Porsche and said, so Porsche, are you involved in any money laundering? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she was very direct about it. Yeah, it was really funny to me. Uh, and I loved that interaction, especially Portia getting, uh, like, one, not fully understanding what <laughs> they're being accused of and, um, like, getting getting very defensive about it. That was pretty good. Um, I, <laughs> I, I've been doing some uh, in-character chat, and I got we had so many Stormlords thrown at us on uh, on our last session i got confused when when they showed up and <laughs> when that stuff happened and so i i had juxtaposed two of them so i had to wipe out a big section of what i wrote i gotta rewrite it <laughs> <laughs> i remember that i would just fit it, like i'd managed to get time to read about half of it and then when i went to check uh, yesterday it was gone. Yeah, uh, because because <laughs> Portia goes. Uh, I think that actually happened back in the Phoenix. I'm like, God dang, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> These things happen. Oh man. Um, if you say, if you made if one more bloody stormlord interrupts oh, Winifred's <laughs> me time, <laughs> they are not going to find a welcoming presence. Um, I. <laughs> If you made me pick a, a, a RP moment that gave me the best mental image of anybody, though, it had to be when Lars got in the pool and he got out and he's like, I'm smart. What's going on? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, um, okay. Well, uh, that's all our questions unless you have some for us. No, I don't think I do. At least right. I hadn't prepared any. Well, that's fine. We, um, <laughs> well, if that's the case, then uh, we'll 
try to get this wrapped up and put in a can and call it a podcast for this week. And man, uh, appreciate you cutting some time out of your schedule to come on and uh, chat with us. Oh no, it was it was fun. I um, enjoyed this. And Kat, as always, uh, thank you. Um, you're making this possible every week, so appreciate your your uh, input as always. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Well, we will wrap it up here and uh, talk to everybody later. Everybody have a good rest of your week.